God will be faithful to his promises regardless of what man may or may not believe. God is faithful because he's God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Jen. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Today we are in Romans chapter 3. And we're going to study that in about three minutes time. So stay there. Very, very important day as we focus on faith. Okay. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. Well, I'm going to be having a discussion with you, Mom, on Romans 3 and some of the really interesting statements that the Apostle Paul makes. Ryan. Well, Abraham is the subject of Paul's critical discussion about salvation in Romans chapter 4. And so he'll be my subject of discussion as well. It's very interesting, you know, as we discuss this on faith, we go back to Abraham, which Paul did as well. This is fascinating. So uh, this is a good time to read your Bible. Open it up and let's turn there, get your Bible guide, and let's discover. Romans 3, 1 through 12. What advantage, then, has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory— Why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, Let us do evil that good may come? As we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, Their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're slowing down a bit. But this is really interesting. In Romans chapter 3, Paul deals with the idea that people can be saved because of their ancestry. Really? People actually believe that. This he solidly rejects. As Paul writes to a city that has become well known in its Jewish and Christian populations, fighting with, with one another, We can see the gospel being applied fairly as a correction to this behavior. You see, every person must choose Jesus Christ, no matter who you are. Paul, a Jew himself, says that there is still a benefit of being a Jew. After all, 
They, of course, have the Old Covenant promises, the scriptures and signs pointing to Christ. But their culture sets them up to understand Jesus and his mission. But this history and this advantage is not enough for salvation. Only Christ is enough. Jesus Christ. God has a way of making everything point back to his truth. He has opened his kingdom up to all who are willing to trust him through Christ, Jew or Gentile. It is all too human to try to be better than others. Instead, we all need to realize how unworthy we are. God saw us in our unworthiness and still chose us to be his children. I mean, how amazing is that? Where is there any room for pride in the gospel of Christ? There is no room for pride. I, a lot of people are, you know, going to Amazon.com and going to Ancestry and they're doing it. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. But you, you, your spiritual benefit does not come from the people that you come from. Your spiritual benefit comes from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ changes you. That's what being born again means when he explained it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Let's remember that. Now, I don't get on to anybody for being going after their heritage. You can do that. That's great. But your spiritual person, who you are, is created in Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. That's very important. Today, we focus on Romans chapter 3. And this is the ways of God. Oftentimes you hear me pray, Lord, show us your ways and teach us your paths. We're going to look today at God's ways. This is going to be interesting. And take your Bible guide and turn to it. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Call us or write to us. We'll send you one or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. And then it takes you to a place where you can download it exactly how we printed it. So get your Bible guide today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we look at this, help us to understand what you're telling us. Because this is important. There's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say about what it means to be saved. I want to see what your word says. I want to understand that in the book of Romans. That's one way. In the book of Corinthians, that's another way. In the book, all these other books, they tell you. Lord, we want to hear from your word. It's one thing. Even in the Old Testament, it's one thing. Help us to hear you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Very, very important. Help us to hear you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we focus on this, listen carefully to the Holy Spirit as he speaks. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 4 say, What advantage then has a Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? That's a Jewish function. Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true. But every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. What's Paul saying? God will be faithful to his covenant. It is his covenant that we agree with and his promises. Regardless of what man may believe, we should be faithful 
to do what God's will willingly. Be faithful to do God's will willingly. I mean, that's the idea. There's a lot of people today that are mixed up and they're like, I'm going to do this, do that, and God will help me. But hold on, let's erase that. How about you pray before you do this and that and you ask God what you should do and you carefully consider as you move what he thinks <laughs> because he's the one in a Christian's life who's directing how you operate. Very important. Well, Paul continues here and it's really interesting in chapter three, verse five. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man, he says. Certainly not. For then, how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Why not say, let us do evil that good may come? As we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. You see what Paul's getting at here? We should make ourselves right with God personally in our hearts. There is no way we can damage God. A lot of people don't get it. They, they look at the Psalms and they say, well, God says worship him, he must be an egomaniac. You, you can't hurt God. You can't hurt him. He hurts because he loves us, but his strength is unmeasurable. So we can't do damage to God. What we can do is follow God. When we follow God, we encourage him to love us. That's very important. Now, I could spend a lot of time on this, but I only have a minute 36 left. So I'm going to carry on. We'll talk on this in the future in one of my sermons that we make available on on the giving platform. Okay, back to Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jew and Greek that they are all under sin. Both Jew and Greek, Jews and Greeks, they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen from the glory of God. It is only by the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ that we can receive the gift of righteousness. It's only through our Forgiveness of our sins. We ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. Ask the Lord today. Father, I need to ask him every day. Father, forgive me of my sins. I just want to be right with you, Lord. I'm a human being and I make many mistakes. So help me, Lord, and help those out there who are praying with me. Help us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. We have to get right with you and get under your plan. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we say. Amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. All right, welcome back to the program. Our reading assignment today is Romans chapters 3 and 4, and here Paul gives an awesome testimony about how a Christian salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he uses Abraham as the prime example. And since Abraham is mentioned 19 different times throughout Paul's letters, I thought that it would be helpful to remind ourselves of that essential history. So let's study the life of this great man of God, from his initial calling out of Haran to the miraculous birth of his son Isaac. His name was Abram, and though he was raised in a nation that served other gods, he was about to become his own nation under God, the one true God. Indeed, in his 75th year, he departed from Haran and from his father Terah's house, as God had commanded him, to journey to an unknown land. With him was his wife Sarai and nephew Lot, plus all the people and possessions he acquired in Haran. When they came to a land called Canaan, God appeared to Abram there and promised the land to his future descendants. During the next several years, God would continually reaffirm this promise to Abram and even add to it. Not only would his descendants inherit the land, but one day Abram would as well. And not only would one nation come from Abram, but many. In fact, his descendants would be as innumerable as the dust of the earth and the stars of the heavens. And most significant of all, all nations would one day be blessed through him. To emphasize the promise, God changes his name from Abram, meaning exalted father, to Abraham, the father of a multitude. Likewise, Sarai was now to be called Sarah. Despite these many promises, there was still one major problem. As Abraham himself pointed out, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Indeed, his wife was barren, and they were now both of great age. Nevertheless, God promises Abraham that his heir would come from his own loins, and Abraham believes him. However, after ten years removed from Haran, the couple is getting concerned. Abraham is now 85 and Sarah 75. So in desperation, Sarah gives Abraham her Egyptian handmaid, Hagar, in order to obtain children by her. Although at this point in time, God had not yet specifically revealed to Abraham that Sarah was going to be the mother of the promised heir, it should have been assumed, since she was his only wife. Nevertheless, through the union of Abraham and Hagar came Ishmael, and as far as Abraham knew, this was the promised son. It would have come as quite a shock, therefore, when God returned to Abraham 14 years later to reveal that Sarah would bear the actual promised son in a year's time. Though truly miraculous, in the following year, which was now 25 years after they had left Haran, their promised son was born. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. As God had instructed, they called him Isaac, meaning laughter. It was truly a time of joy and celebration. However, during a feast in Isaac's honor, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac, which ultimately led to his expulsion from the family. Though this tremendously grieved Abraham, God consoled him through the revelation that Ishmael would also become a great nation, but that Isaac was the promised covenant son. Indeed, it would be through Isaac that God's nation, Israel, would come.
So while Abraham, like all of us, wasn't perfect, ultimately he trusted and believed in God's promises. And God counted Abraham's faith unto righteousness. In other words, his trust in God is what saved him. And that's Paul's point. A Christian salvation isn't a result of works, nor is it a result of faith plus works, lest we should boast. Our salvation comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Now, I will say that if we are truly saved, then works should follow. It's like James says in James 2, faith without works is dead. I heard one pastor just describe salvation in this way. It's not faith plus works equals salvation. It's faith equals salvation plus works. Salvation can't be earned. It's a free gift to anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusts in his work on the cross for your sins. Isn't that great news? And by the way, this idea of salvation through faith alone is one of the major differences between Christianity and other religions. With other religions, salvation is works-based to some capacity. It's very important to understand that huge difference. It is very important. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, we'll get to it, uh, and in chapter 3 verse 6, he says it's because of Abraham's faith in God that it points to the Gentiles being able to come in through faith, not mm -hmm. through works. He's talking about yeah. the difference between doing the law and trusting in faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that becomes very, very important. So that's really interesting. And, and you begin to understand this as you read through the Bible, you see this. And Abraham is like, He's the beginning of Judaism back yeah. in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's absolutely fascinating. Very good. Thank mm -hmm. you, Ryan. Okay, Corey. Well, yeah, to kind of continue this whole concept, I mean, we see throughout Romans hints of a great divide between Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles already beginning here in the lifetime of Paul, right? We, we know back in Acts that Emperor Claudius had at one point expelled Jews from Rome over fighting over Crestus or Christ, right? So Acts talks about that. The first century historian Josephus talks about that, which is why I said Crestus, because that's how he puts it in there, which is the rendering of Christ. There was a lot of fighting, not just between Jews and Christians, but Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And Paul, we see this corrective in Romans. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we, we land in Romans 3 today. And, and we see that here where he's talked about, you know, the, the differences in lifestyle between Jew and Gentile. And, and he, he goes in verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Because he, he said, is there earlier, he said, is there any advantage in being a Jew? And he goes, much, because our, like, basically our history is that we were given the scriptures. So we mm -hmm. know them and we were given these things, right? But by verse nine, it goes, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written, and then he puts together a collage, a scriptural collage of references to Old Testament passages that prove that every single human being is under sin. And, and I'll just uh, go back to two of the Psalms that he quotes. He, Psalms, he quotes Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, and, and these Psalms are very, very similar. I'll start at Psalm 14, verses two and three. It says this, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man. So there it is. He's not looking down on Israel. He's not looking down just on the Gentiles. He's looking down on the children of man 
to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And you hop over to Psalm 53. And again, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So this concept that we all have sinned, sin has equalized us all before God. And this is important because even today we have this human tendency to want a hero. Mm -hmm. We want a culture to look at and go, you know what? They're, they're, that's, that's what I should strive for. I should be more like them because then I'll be closer to God. But the truth is no culture is without fault. No culture is without sin. Only Christ is the one without mm -hmm. sin. And it's his righteousness alone that can atone for us. That's it. And we see that great equalization here in Romans, don't we? It's very, very evident. Where is the boasting then, Paul says? It is excluded by what? Law or works? No, but by the law of faith. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And it, it, it just, it goes on and on. And it really what this is, like, the closer that you walk, with the Lord, the longer that you have relationship with God and you understand who he is mm -hmm. and, and there's no human understanding that can fully understand the magnificence and the perfection of God. And yet when you see that great love that he has for us as we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. That amazing love, it, it does equalize everything. And I can no longer point to you or to somebody else and say, oh, well, you've done this and you've done that. Yeah. So, or I'm at a higher elevation of Christianity than you are because I believe this way or I believe that way. It equalizes everything. If we do have those attitudes, we need to get rid of those attitudes. Absolutely. Because Christ is the equalizer. And the only difference that a Christian has in their life choices is that we know where the bread is. We found it. We know where the living water is and we can point others to that, that faith in Christ, that what Christ has done for us, that good news. Mm -hmm. None of us deserve it. So we can't be comparing one another. It's the speck in your brother's eye. Yes. Uh, the scripture talks about don't try to pick the speck of, you know, what you think is Corey's doing wrong yes. when Janice, you have a great big log in your own eye. Figure it, that out first with your walk with God. It's so interesting to me because we have a tendency to do both of those things, don't we? Like, mm -hmm. I I am more, let, let me fix your problem for you. <laughs> I can see to fix your problem. If you just, just do what I say and your problem will be fixed. We elevate ourselves mm -hmm. to a position of God, but at the same time, we have another tendency to see people and idolize people as well. So whether that be a pastor or an apologist or a speaker, we tend to look at them and go, they're amazing. They're smart. They're righteous. They, and put them, put them higher than they should be. I, I mean, even we see Paul, as we were going to read through the New Testament, we're going to see Paul having to deal with this issue too, where, where Christians go, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow right. Apollos. Yes. Well, I follow Peter. And then I love this where, where some other Christians are like, well, I follow Christ. And they just <laughs> like really get in there. And it's just this fight, right? 
but 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 we have to always bring ourselves back to back to the scripture where where God reminds us all that we are all but dust, mm-hmm. all of us. So we're not God. Only God can sit in that position yes. of God. We can make artificial gods, whether it's ourself or whether it's another person or an idea, but that is not healthy. Only God should sit in that place. And I think that's why it's so important to come to scripture regularly. Yes. Because when you're reading it to find out what it's actually saying, like what what did the author intend by this? What does he mean by this? And and it it will bring you in contact with ideas that will challenge you in a good way and in a necessary way. Because none of us are righteous enough that we can get along in this life without falling back into human tendencies like we've been talking about. None of us are. So we need to constantly be putting God in front of our face. And, and you know, we can't just, if, you're, if you've been on this journey with us this year to read through the Bible, it's amazing to read through the Bible in its entirety in a year, but you can't just read through and then be done. Like regardless if you go through with us again next year or if you do your own study or go with another ministry, that's great. You just need to do it. Mm-hmm. You just need to keep it in front of your face. This isn't. This shouldn't be a one and done kind of thing because it's not as if you're going to read through the Bible and you're just going to be fixed. Well, you know what? When we eat yeah. and when we drink, sure enough. we don't just pick a day of the week and say, <laughs> sure well, enough. I'm going to have supper tonight yeah. and I'm going to have a drink of water tomorrow and then... You know, in a few more days, I'll eat and drink again. We don't do that. Sure we can't do that. We we will starve. Mm-hmm. We will make ourselves sick. And it's the same way with God's word. We need mm-hmm. to just be ingesting it. We need to be reading it every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, it doesn't have to be pages and pages and pages, but it does need to be something that we make the time for because it is important and let it change us not go into it to see what we can put into it so we can take out, but to let God change our hearts. Agreed. Very interesting. Excellent work. Uh, We need to focus on reading the Bible, praying, and understanding what God says. And the fact that the Bible speaks to the people of God, many people, that becomes very important for us to understand. All right. Very good. I want to thank you for your giving to this ministry. It's very good and we praise God for that. We do have needs and we'll have to make some changes and stations and some other things shortly. But if you are touched by this program and God has spoken to your heart, thank you. And I would ask that you would do your best. Father, I pray today in Jesus name that you would touch people with what you want to do and we will respond accordingly. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus name. And thank you for their giving. And we said together, amen.